It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Steve and Jerry with you. Jerry. Yes, Steve. You're scratching your beard. I am. I'm, my beard is a little itchy. Do you have lice? Yeah, beard lice. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it would be, right? Yeah, I wonder if it is. Well, I, I think know. I think head lice could be in any part of your body that has hair. I don't know. That's a great question. It's a great question. I'll have to look it up afterwards. Afterwards, we'll look it up. You can find us on Twitter, at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are at TheRushCast. Email Jerry. Tell him why you know we're not comedians at therushcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Beard lice. Lex did the open and close. And Jerry, we've got another fantastic episode for you today. At least we hope we do. And before we get into it, you've got a fantastic email for us. So let's hear it. Yes, this is from Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence. He says, a note to express my thanks to you for your continuous work and contributions to the podcast. I have been a listener from the very beginning, and I find myself anxiously awaiting the next issue. So he said issue. Issue. Well, we could call them issues. Why not? Because I think on the very first podcast, I said that this was our inaugural issue. Oh, you did? Well, so yeah. you, you influenced this. I did. And you also said we were going to turn this into a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you didn't. I have been a Rush fan since I was a young man of 10 years old when I first heard the notes from A Farewell to Kings. I knew no one who listened to or even heard of Rush back then. I was secretly hooked, and like most fanatics, found myself buying every Rush album issued before Kings and, and perusing every record store for anything Rush-related, often leaving empty-handed. Your podcasts fill a need for me to hear and understand why I love this band so much and why others do too, and often, perhaps in a different way than I do. For 50 years, I have never found a peer or a friend with whom I could have a meaningful conversation about Rush. When I would attempt such timid conversations with another person about a chord progression or a lyric, I often found myself in a very one-sided conversation that wasn't worth pursuing. No one, it seemed, understood. When Subdivisions came out, I knew then, as I do now, that I didn't need anyone else's input or opinion to create my own happiness, that I was responsible for creating my own happiness. And I was good with that. I never looked back. So in a long, rambling way, I am telling you how good it is to listen to other Rush fans' perspectives on why they love Rush, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Your podcasts have become a conversation I have been unable to participate in for the last 50 years. So thank you. Wow. It's emails like that that make me feel so good about the fact that we're doing this. Yeah, it is. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that email. That is an amazing compliment. We really appreciate it. It is. And we'd really love you to email us at therushcast at gmail.com with your feelings on Rush. Let us know how you think we're doing. And speaking of emails, an email inspired today's episode, did it not? It did. So you read an email, what was it, a couple of weeks ago Yes. from a guy named Jared Schofer. Yep. And he told us he was walking across the United States to raise money for cancer research. And... We were so inspired by his email that we said, we've got to talk to this guy. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Jared Schofer, welcome to the Rush FanCast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You know how we introduce all our guests and ask them their Rush origin story. What's your Rush origin story, Jared? How did you become a fan? Okay, well, so I graduated high school in 95, and uh, halfway through the year, in early 95, um, 
I used to eat lunch with just these two guys, Tim and Jesse, and we would talk music a lot. And this guy, Jesse, really thought he knew everything about music. And he said one day, he said, you know, the three greatest bands are Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd and Rush. Hmm. And I had I had not heard of Rush at the time. I was like, oh, Rush, I've never heard of them. And so he sort of explained to me. It's kind of like some complex music, but what they do is really interesting. Their drummer's really amazing. And this was in the days of like BMG and Columbia House. And oh, I don't yeah. understand how that, <laughs> that business model, but you know, I was, you can get like 10 CDs for the price of one or something. And right. So I never understood it. I, I joined as me. I joined as my mother. Like, you know, I, I just got like 30 <laughs> CDs. The business model is based on the fact that you would forget to send back the card saying that you didn't want a CD that month, and then they would charge you like 20 bucks for a CD. So it's like the Amazon, like after a month, will, yeah, will uh, automatically charge you, I guess. But right. it just seemed too easy to get out of. So I know it was. That's why it's no longer around, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and that alone. Yeah, so so then I, um, I ordered, yeah, I just figured, okay, well, since this guy says that they're so good, I'll go for a greatest hit. So I ordered Chronicles. And uh, it's double, but, you know, I was getting 30 CDs like a month. So <laughs> so, um, so I listened to it and I got to be honest, like I didn't really like it at first. I was just kind of like, oh, this is, you know, it's kind of like coffee, I guess, Steve. I'm not a coffee drinker either. Um, <laughs> and at first I was just like, wow, OK. But so I gave it a few more listens and it, it just like four or five more listens. I was like, wait a minute, like something really genius is going on here. And then, yeah, I kept listening and I was, I just fell in love, you know, like, like a bit of an acquired taste. And, and I told this guy, Jesse, I said, wow, you're right. That band is really amazing. And, and then he said, okay, he's like, good, but whatever you do, don't buy roll the bones. And I was like, why not? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I would rather have the space it takes up than the actual CD. It's awful. And I'm like, what? Oh, no. Like, yeah, I'm like, that is some next level criticism. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't feel that way about Roll the Bones, but, you know, back then it was just so exciting to buy like a new CD every couple of weeks and listen and, you know, get that experience. And then about a month later, I went to visit schools and I went to visit Swarthmore College and the guy I was staying with overnight, when he meets me, the first thing he said to me was, wait, I have to ask you, do you like the band Rush? And I was like, oh, my God, I just started wow. getting into them. And it just took off from there. He, he could play all their songs on guitar and piano. And I was just like, wow, you know, this is amazing. So that's kind of how it started. And what if you said no? Then what would he have done? <laughs> he probably wouldn't have liked me as much. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was like us, basically. Right. Yeah. He might have told uh, Swarthmore to not accept me. Yeah. <laughs> So after Chronicles, what did you go to next? What albums did you buy next? Uh, I think I went to the older stuff first. Yeah. And then I would just kind of hop around. I mean, I didn't really, I probably went to like moving pictures and some of the early stuff. And then I can't really recall. It was just so exciting to have like, what, like 16 albums to discover. Like, right. you know, my first album to wait for was uh, test for echo. You know, all the others were already out there. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, yeah, it's just such an exciting time. I miss it. I, I, I can feel what it was like, you know? Yeah, it's definitely something that we went through too. At least I was. I had at one point when I had uh, tapes, cassette tapes, I had all the Rush albums like 
in chronological order in the little cassette thing on the side of my on the seat next to me on the car, and I could I could just count like, oh, I want to listen to I don't know, moving pictures, <laughs> one, two, three, four, and I would pick it up without even having to like look at it, and then I would I listened to nothing but Rush for probably like two years. Yeah, I was probably the same once I got the bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. If, I'm sorry, I don't know if this guy Jesse knows how much he changed my life that day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has no clue, but it, it altered the course of my life. And you don't speak to him anymore? No, he's just a high school friend. Uh, if I did see him, though, I would definitely say this to him and tell him, like, you have no clue. I'm the hugest fan. Maybe he listens to the podcast and he should send us an email. I'll forward it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll send it to him. Yeah, OK. <laughs> so, Jared, let's fast forward to the present day. Where did you get the idea to cross the country to raise money for cancer research. What was it Neil's death or was it something else? Yeah. Um, I, there's like two components to it, right? So there's the four cancer research and then there's the go across the country part. So, um, I would say that, uh, I had a friend named Molly Woodruff who taught at my school for, I'm a high school teacher and she taught at my school for 10 years and she left. And then shortly after she left, she got a diagnosis of having pancreatic cancer and passed away in her early forties. And I went to her, memorial service in like 2016. And I remember thinking at that service, you know, just looking at her partner and her parents and how sad they were and just how sad it was like thinking I would like to do something at some point to raise money for cancer research or just to do, yeah, to do something to be part of the solution. And then, you know, going to the other side, I have done some long races and I just kept doing longer and longer races. And I've done a couple like in 2017, I did my first 100 miler. And then in 2019, I did another one. And then I ran from Pittsburgh to DC in 2019. In 2020, I did this race called the Vol State 500K. It's a 314 mile race in July across Tennessee. And so after doing these, I just got the, the urge of like, wow, I, I wonder if I could go coast to coast. And so I applied for a sabbatical at my school and I never really thought they would say yes, but they did. And I was like, <laughs> oh boy, now I have to do it. And so when I applied, I said I would raise money for charity and I was thinking cancer research. And just so once, you know, Neil passed away from cancer, it just cemented it. I was like, oh, I have to do it for this, you know, in honor of my friend Molly and in honor of Neil and, and just so many others. But yeah, it's certainly Neil's passing made me just say, wow, I really want to do it for Neil. And when did the whole preparation start? Because like you said, you know, you were, and I've seen on your, your Instagram too, you're very in shape, obviously, right? <laughs> if you're running all of these things. So this isn't, this isn't something that Steve or I could do. We, we, there's no way we would be like, we're going to just, you know, take some time off from work and walk across the country. You have to be in some pretty good shape. So was there any kind of preparation you've done for getting even started? I would say the two biggest things would be the run from Pittsburgh to DC, which I did over seven days, taking a motel every night, and then the Vol State 500K. I mean, I think it's not so much about what you do in the months leading up to it, because there's really no way to prepare your body for, well, what I'm doing is like 30 plus a day. Your body just kind of gets used to it. But um, so I would say it's just more about mentally and, and physically knowing what your body can handle and doing so doing those two things were really the, the best prep I could do. I mean, yeah, like you say, if someone told me they wanted to do it, I would ask them first, what kind of journey run have you done? Because you need to do a shorter one first to get a sense of what it's like. 
I remember reading this story once about um, a guy. He was the first blind person to get to the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. And he would go on like these speaking tours and people would come up to him and go, oh, I could never do that. And he'd be like, yeah, I know you couldn't do it because you're not a mountain climber. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? He was a serious mountain climber who would happen to be blind who then, it's you know, you just can't start from nothing and be like, oh, I couldn't do that even though I'm not blind. I mean, only if you wanted to do like 10, 15-ish miles a day and have it take, you know, hundreds of days. Yeah. Right. So, Jared, you told us in your email how you were planning on beginning your journey in California. Can you recount that for us and tell us how it went? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started in Santa Monica, um, dipped my toes in the ocean, and then headed east. And uh, I had left my stroller. Um, I'm pushing a stroller to carry all my gear, which I've named Neil, as you read on the email. And um, so I grabbed that at my Airbnb, and then I headed east. And I walked on, I think it was Olympic Boulevard, which I think um, – Somehow I had heard that Neil would walk down that street a lot. And so I started there and then somehow I found this rush street, you know, like 30 ish <laughs> miles in Eastern LA, 30 ish miles from Santa Monica pier. And so I figured, all right, well, that seems like a really cool way to kind of wrap it up for day one. So I went there, but I got to tell you, it was really underwhelming. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> you know, I was hoping there'd be like a mural or something, but it was just, yeah, Rush Street and, you know, there was nothing to it. and Just the street, right? Yeah, it was just the street. And I, I think I went like a half mile out of my way to get to it and I, I, I regretted it. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, day one, I was just a wide eyed, stupid person who had no idea how hard this would be. <laughs> Right. So tell us a little bit about how it's been. It has been really difficult. Um, it would be, I would say it's about 90% torture and 10% fun. And I really didn't think it would be that kind of a split. But um, what goes into the 90%? It would be, there's so much isolation and loneliness. There's so much, you know, fear of the unknown, what can go wrong, you know, cars are constantly whizzing at you and you need to be alert and be careful. And almost no one who crosses the U.S. like does it without a, a few close calls. And I've had a couple. Um, where do I sleep tonight is not a fun question sometimes. And the weather can be brutal. And then there are long stretches out in the desert without food and water in between. So that's very nerve wracking. And sometimes it's you have no cell service either. So you're thinking, what would I do if something really went wrong here? And you don't really know the answer other than depend on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing I was thinking about is crossing that desert between Los Angeles and Phoenix. That had to be brutal. So there was a 95 mile stretch from 29 Palms, a north of Joshua Tree. Yeah. To get to well, basically just the next gas station. Yeah. And so I, I loaded meal up with 17 liters of water, a bunch of food, you know, and just headed out there and people thought I was crazy. And I, but, um, you know, I, I knew I had enough food and water to make it in two and a half days. Um, but it certainly is pretty nerve wracking because there's nothing out there. There's nowhere to eat to even stop and take a break to sit down and get some shade. <laughs> it's brutal. So you, the only time you can get shade is early in the morning or late in the afternoon. If you use your stroller for shade, 
what have you been doing? People, you have been meeting people along the way. Did you have contacts in certain places where you knew that you could stay? Or have you just literally been, like you said, hoping for the kindness of strangers? I've had some contacts, but, and I've had some kindness of strangers, but I mean, in the West, I would camp a lot. I have a tent and a small tent and I would camp a lot. I mean, you pretty much have no, no choice, but to camp out there in the desert when it's long stretches. I mean, on top of the 95 miles, there was an 87 mile one, a 65 mile one, several in the forties. And I would take motels whenever I could. And more frequently lately, um, Cause I just, I'm not a big fan of camping. And, uh, and sometimes I would just sleep out, which just means get under an awning at a church building and just go to sleep and hope nobody cares or bothers you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's been a mix of that and motels whenever I can. So you've got your Instagram account at Jared 2112 and Rush fans, I would imagine, have been interacting with you along your journey. Have any of them met you along the way on your journey to say hello, to walk with you, to wish you luck, anything like that? They've been interacting with me because I post a lot of veiled Rush references and only like five people get it. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't care. But like, like the other day I was in a bar and I saw a sign that said high water and I posted like, <laughs> wow, they really love obscure rush songs here at this bar. <laughs> you know, and I mean like three people were like, good one. Um, but and I have a 2112 sticker on my stroller, but um no, I would say I haven't met one rush fan who's come out to walk with me yet. Uh, I'm gonna say yet because I'm hopeful, but Hasn't happened yet. Well, hopefully, since we have a lot of people listening to this that could be along your route, where are you headed next? I mean, you're in Tennessee now. Where is your route going to take you for the rest of your journey? Yeah, Tennessee, you know, Nashville, Knoxville, roughly, and then crossing into Virginia around Bristol and then like Roanoke and then making my way east to Virginia Beach. All right. So if there are any Rush fans out there along that route, they can contact you on Instagram, right? Send you an, an instant message and say, hey, Jared, I'll meet you here. I would love it. Yeah, it'd be great. And they can just do some miles with me, uh, you know, or we can just say hi. Yeah. Uh, where are you ending up? Yeah, I'm ending in Virginia Beach. Um, I'm not sure exactly where, but uh, my brother lives near there. So I'm hoping that most of my family can come down and um, be at the finish and really celebrate it. Um it's hard to think about, even though it's, you know, it's probably less than 30 days away now, but still so many miles to go. Um, I recently passed 2000 miles, which is awesome. And wow. I'm looking forward to 2112 soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. So speaking of 2112, are you listening to Rush? I assume you're listening to Rush a lot on your journey, right? Um, people think that, you know, but it's actually pretty dangerous, I think, to listen to music or podcasts or um uh, you know, audiobooks or whatever while you're on the side of the road. I mean, some of the roads have really wide shoulders and maybe you could there. But even so, I feel like being distracted, it's just not good. So actually, I sing a lot of <laughs> Rush songs. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I can kind of go through a, a Rush song just in my head, some of them, without even mm -hmm. having to hear it, you know, so I can listen to it without listening to it. And so... I will sing Rush songs to myself. Um, 
when I get to motels, sure, I'll listen to some Rush. But uh, no, on the side of the road, it's just too dangerous. I don't. Everyone who's done it before told me, don't do that. And they're right. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. That's got to make it even tougher, though. You talk about the loneliness. I mean, the thing that I love about when I go for walks in the neighborhood here is just having music or having a podcast or something to, to pass the time. And you don't even have that. That's crazy. Yeah, I even tried it out loud, but every time a car whooshes by you, it's just <laughs> annoying. And then if you're if you're doing music, you know, your phone battery is going to die. And if you're if you're not staying in a motel every night, that can be an issue, too. So, um, no, it's best to just. Uh, yeah, that's part of the the boring. I don't know if I mentioned boredom in the 90 percent, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. very boring. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a certain mental toughness that I've noticed in that friends that I have who are marathoners or, you know, Ironman triathletes or whatever you want, you know, there's really long, difficult things. There's certain mental toughness that has to go along with those long runs. I'm sure nothing like, you know, doing it every day for months, but I'm sure that has something to do with it, right? Being prepared mentally. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're right. Just to get out the door, or get out the bed or the tent or off the church porch, you know, every day and, and slog through 30 plus miles. Um, and just know that it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, especially in the West, you're just seeing the same desert bush over and over. Some days you don't even interact with another human. It's, uh, it really is a mental game, but, um, I guess what you're saying, Jerry is, yeah. Like I've kind of built up, that part of me with my, these races I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think about Neil when you're walking or running? I mean, Neil famously liked journeys, not like yours, but he liked to, to isolate himself and go for a motorcycle ride by himself for days on end and just be by himself with nature. Do you think about Neil when you're making your trek? I often think about Neil. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I named my stroller Neil. Cause he, he always liked the two wheel adventures and mine's a three wheel, but, um, you know, it, it, it's going a lot of places that I would like to think Neil biked. I mean, some for sure. I mean, I'm sure he loved Joshua tree and, and that's what's weird. I saw like a one sign out on that 95 mile stretch where it said this mile brought to you by ghost riders. And I was like, wow, that is, wow, that's eerie. Um, but you know, to be, I mean, yeah, I think about Neil a lot. It, it provides motivation because I just think it's really sad what happened to Neil. I mean, I know it's like we, we've, you know, this is the right place to say this and it's been said, but you know, he went through so much hardship in the nineties. I mean, I don't know how he bounced back from that, but he came through on the other side and got remarried and had a little girl. And then, I mean, if he had just come back and done vapor trails and said, that's it, like, you know, I proved I can do it again. And that's it. Like, I think it would have been like, okay. Like, you know, cause he, he seemed to always want to look forward to retiring. And so for him to go from all the way to 2015 and then retire, like, my thinking is when Rush came back, right, in 2000, because look at where I became a fan. I became a fan right around Test Freco. So I only mm -hmm. saw them three times. And then it just was over. And I was like, wow, it's it could be over. Like, so yeah, I just checked out, you know, I mean, I only saw them three times. And I was like, I may never see this band live again. So when they came back, it was just so amazing. And 
when you look at what they did from 2002 to 2015, like it, if you are complaining about that at all, like, I'm sorry, I feel bad for you. Like they, they came back with a vengeance and they gave right. us like everything they could, we could have ever asked for. I mean, when you look at, I'm like a big fan of the long songs and like, you're talking like by tour and like, Camera Eye and Natural Science and like enough of both sicknesses and Xanadu like in full regalia and just all well, you know, just yeah, I mean, just all these songs that we have been dying to hear losing it. Okay, they played losing it like <laughs> so, you know, when they retired in 2015 and it was mostly Neil's doing. But my thought was like hats off to them like good for you. Like you deserve it. I wasn't sad. I was like, you've given me so much us so much from, especially from 2002 to, to, to 2015 that I have cherished, you know? And so then to see what happened that Neil to find out later after he died, that he only had about one year of retirement before he got diagnosed with cancer. And then he fought it for three and a half years. But you know, everything he looks forward to, like just reading at the library with his daughter. He, he didn't get to do that stuff, you know? And it's just, I think about it and I think only really the Rush community can understand it, but given what he went through in the nineties and then to have that happen, you know, and it just hit us like a ton of bricks. Cause we, none of us knew that's what made it, I think so hard to process. Cause it just hit us that day on January 10th or whatever. And we were like, wait a minute, this can't be true. And so I, anyways, long answer, Steve, but I think about it, Neil, a lot and how he just deserved better, you know, than to have the fate of having brain cancer. Yeah. And it's just so amazing that all of us have the same feeling about Neil. Like we lost a family member and I would guess you feel the same way, right? Yeah, it was, I feel like the way I just echo what a lot of people on your podcast have said, I I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much it affected me, how much I cried over someone I had never met. And um, and I think it was, yeah, partially just because of the way it came out of the clear blue sky that not only did he have cancer, but he's dead. And it's just really hard to, it wasn't to me because it was the end of Rush. I don't, I don't care about that. You know, I mean, I already felt, I already accepted that. And um, I was at the same show you guys were at in Jersey when they played losing it. And mm. I knew that was my last show. And um, a lot of my friends were like, I can't believe you're gonna, not going to go to LA. And I'm like, for the final one. And I'm like, well, I just, I don't need to, like, I don't want to see it really. I, I've, I knew the one in Jersey was my last show and I, they played losing it. And I just walked away happy knowing that they gave me so much. I saw them 60 times and I was so ecstatic. And yeah, so I was just sad for Neil and for his family members, for Getty and Alex that we, that we lost him. Yeah. Yeah. You're the, you're the kind of fan that we've met. We've gotten a lot of emails from who has really taken the message of the band to heart and made it part of their lives. Can you talk a little bit about how, like which songs have really inspired you over the years? Well, I probably have to say marathon, don't I? Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> you have to say marathon, right? <laughs> <laughs> um gosh 
there's just so many, right? But uh, there's just so many good songs, right? There really are. But I mean, I think about things like Time Stands Still is a great example. I mean, I feel like Rush is a band that I connected with emotionally and particularly when I was seeing them live. And so I think back to like probably like the Hold Your Fire era. That was a really emotional album. Um, Time Stands Still, for example. Um, Oh, Jerry, you're going to hate this. But even uh, Ty (laughs) Shan. No, listen, I'm one of the few people, maybe the only Rush fan who's I have climbed Ty Shan. Do you believe that? Really? No. Wow. Yes, really. The first time I went to China, I looked it up. I figured, where is it? How hard can it be up the 7000 stairs? You know, (laughs) And so I looked and it wasn't that far from Beijing. And I was like, okay, I can do it. Like, you know, I'll go there. It'll be cool. It'll be cool to get off the beaten path a little. And, and so I went and uh, sure enough, like it is, I, I don't, I didn't count them, but it was close to 7,000 and, you know, it was just steps. It's not like a, uh, you know, it's just all these steps. And um, is it like a monument there's just like several things to see along the way, but I mean, it's really just a mountain that has steps that lead to the top and a bunch of temples on the top. And I mean, I got to say that, yeah, I went to the top and I raised my hands to heaven and, and did China sing to you? (laughs) It did. Yeah. And I I have a video (laughs) of me. I listened to the song at the top and just kind of, you know, looked around um, and just thought, wow, this is so weird that, again, it's like I wouldn't have come here if it wasn't for that guy, Jesse, talking about how great Rush was, you know, and just the way life works. And I think that if you look at a lot of their songs, you know, I'm a math teacher and a lot of their songs are are very math oriented, even just about like little things lead to big things. Um, who are we in the world? Um, so, yeah, it's 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 just yeah, I think just Jerry, you said it best. I, um, I'm how how did you phrase it, Jerry? Like I'm one of those fans who, who just takes it to heart. Yeah, the lyrics. Steve and I are fans. Don't get me wrong, but we've interacted with people whose lives have changed based on their love of Rush. I mean, literally changed their lives from just that moment. They became a different person. They've dedicated their lives to different things. Because of Rush. Yeah, and I th- I think I would put myself in that category. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm doing this thing with uh, on uh, YouTube with at Rush fans where we're listening to songs that we don't necessarily like that much. It's called, we're calling like, the video series Stick It Out. And this month I have to listen to Tai Shan about 20 times. Oh. So I'm going to try and think of you while I'm listening to it and see if that changes my mind. Yeah, maybe look at some Google images of uh, the the mountain. Yeah, yeah. I think you might. I think you might. I'm not gonna say it's my <laughs> gonna be my favorite song, but maybe it's not gonna be my least favorite song. It was really funny. Just to, I couldn't believe I was on the train to get there, and uh, there were two train stops. And at the, I can speak a little Chinese now because I've been there five times and I've lived there um, a couple summers. And but at the time, I couldn't speak any and. There was there were two train stops, Taishan the town and Taishan the mountain. And I had no mm. idea which one, but someone kind of saw my confusion and told me which one to get off of at. And um, 
Yeah. Anyways, that's funny. I think, I guess for me, if I had to do that exercise, it would be like Rivendell or something. <laughs> I like that Rivendell's on the list too. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a, 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 what do you, however you phrase it, an unpopular one. Yeah. So we recently did our uh, top 10 favorite Rush songs, Jared. Uh, we're not going to ask you for 10, but maybe give us three. Your top three Rush songs. Do you have them? Can you do that? I loved that podcast you guys did because I I ranked my top 20 once and um and I, you know, I don't think I'm going to do all 160 whatever like cuz that just seems too difficult but and I also ranked all the albums. I would encourage you guys to try that sometime. Oh, yeah. But um but really listening to the four of you, oh my god, it was so diverse. I was just like comparing my list to you guys and some of the guys um, the other guys, I was like, wow, look at these choices. <laughs> I know. Right. It, it was in, the, the, the breath of choice was unbelievable. <laughs> and I've been getting so many emails from people who are giving us their top tens. Same thing. Some, you know, really? somebody's top, somebody's top 10 was, uh, driven. Not that that's a bad song. It's just one of the songs that you wouldn't think somebody's first song would be driven. No, I would not. Yeah. Not right. driven. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my top three are. Number three is losing it. That one to me just really the lyrics, you know, sadder still to watch it die than never to have known it. It's, it's amazing. And then the fact that they played it live and I got to see it, it amplified it, you know, it just was yeah. so phenomenal. I mean, again, that speaks to rush just wanting to give their fans practically everything they can, you know, they could. And uh, so three is losing it. Two is La Vida. I mean, La Vida just, if you don't like La Via, I don't think your ears work. I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's unreal. Like, it's just nine minutes of pure heaven, you know? Yeah. And um, and then number one is and has been and always will be 2112 in full. I mean, during my sabbatical, while I was prepping to do this run, I taught myself on guitar all of 2112. Wow. Yeah, and it, I I learned a new appreci appreciation for it that even I hadn't had before. But I just think it's the perfect song from start to finish. And, you know, it's the song that launched their career. It's the song where they said, we're going to do what we want, you know, and whatever happens, you know, happens. And I just think that that's, this song has so much meaning because it did that, you know, that it was the song, it was the turning point where they said, we're doing what we want, you know? And um, so 2112 in full. Yeah. Is one of my, is my all time favorite. Yeah. I got to tell you guys a funny story. Um, I don't know if you ever heard this, but um, I just been wanting to tell you about this one interview uh, I saw with Alex. He, um, someone asked him, Alex, are you aware that there are people out there who have seen, you know, you guys like a hundred times. Right. And he said to the reporter, you know, he's, this is just proof. He's the funniest person. He goes, big deal. I've been to all the concerts. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they go, they've, they've, they've been to more than a hundred shows. He goes, big deal. I've been to all of them. <laughs> See, that's why I want to ask him what his rush origin story is. I'm sure this answer would be fantastic. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, I gotta ask, yeah. I gotta ask you guys. Um, you you went to Snakes and Arrows, I imagine mm -hmm. some shows, right? Yeah. Yep. So, did you ever sign the banner? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. No. No. Okay. So, 
I was big on Rush Tour. That was the forum I used to go on all the time. RushTour.com, if you did in the early 2000s. Um, no. There were a few, and that was one of them. And that's where I made a lot of my Rush friends. And, you know, we would always do these pre-show meetups, and we would always go to opening night. That was like a ritual, you know, so we wouldn't get the spoilers. And, um, well, so on the Snakes and Arrows tour, we, we went to opening night. I think it was in Atlanta. And my friend brought this big banner that said the, the main pre-show monkey business, you know, and rushtour.com <laughs> and 2007 snakes and arrows. And so we, we got this idea that we would sign it and then pass it on off like a relay, like a baton from show to show and try to get it to every show in snakes and arrows tour. So we would go to the pre-show sign it, be like, have you signed the banner yet? You know, you sign it once and then, be like, who's going to the next show? So-and-so says I am. Okay, you take the banner, take it to the next show. And then, so we did this, right? And we did it throughout the whole, I think it made it to every show, but like one or two, I really want to say that's true. And we're talking like 60 some. Well, my friend who came up with the idea, she took it to a meet and greet, showed it to Alex. Alex signed it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, I, I got to sign this thing. So he signs it. So then it became like, we were, you know, we would only give it to people we really trusted because who's, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, Alex Lifeson signed this. I got to have it, you know. Um, but I was just curious if you ever did like the pre-show meetups and interacted with that at all. No. no I never even heard of that. What happened to it? <laughs> My friend has it. She still has it. Yes. Yeah, uh, her name is Christine. She lives in Nashville. I'm going to see her and she still has it. Yes, yeah, she eventually got it back. And I don't think we took it to the 2008 leg, but. But yeah, we were just all really good friends from RushTour.com and would always do these pre-shows. And she had this great idea. And just the fact that I don't know why Getty didn't sign it. She doesn't remember. But like Alex was like all over it. And I think she just got froze up and forgot to ask Ged to sign it. But how many people do you think signed it? Oh, it was covered in signatures. You know, and we went to like 60 plus shows. So I would say hundreds. Wow. How big is this thing? <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was pretty big, like uh, bigger than a huge TV, I would say. Yeah, you know, it took like two people to hold it. And and her meet and greet um, photo is with Alex and Getty and her holding it. Wow. I've got to see that photo. I got to put that photo on Instagram. I've got to oh, see Oh, okay. I'll see if I can get the signed one from her. The like maybe kind of, well, maybe she has it now. I don't know if she has to dig it out, but um. Oh, yeah, but what's that guy's name who you had on? He might want it. That Ray guy, right? He might want to get a hold of it. Ray will want it. I, I wonder if he signed it. Who knows if he even signed it? I don't know if you have a little more time, but I want to ask you about this one, too. Sure. I had this friend named John who, uh, again, from Rush Tour, and he went, he just was one of those guys who's, I mean, I don't know if you have met, come across some people like, there's some people who can't stop themselves. They go to like almost every show on the tour, you know, and they always have to be front row. And I think that's a bit, uh, it's a little of a problem. I mean, I think so. Yeah. And, um, but anyways, you could edit that part out in case he's listening, but, um, <laughs> but, but this guy was such an Uber fan that he would go and I don't know what he did for a living, but he'd always be front row center. He'd just always get them on eBay or whatever and just be like, oh. boom. And back, back in those and probably later on, you know, in the later shows, those were pretty expensive tickets. Yeah, but this was like around the, 
I guess it was around the vapor trails time, really the R 30 time. And he kind of just fell by the wayside. I never knew what happened to him. Even after like snakes and arrows, we never heard from him again. But, um, but at the time he was a huge, huge fan and going to all the shows, right. And he was a big collector and um, so much so that sometimes he would bid on things on eBay and I would just upbid them because I knew he would <laughs> want them. <laughs> and he would be like, he'd see it in like Jared 2112. He's like, damn you, stop it. <laughs> it was just like a dollar or two, but I would just be fucking with him. And so That's funny. anyway, so I want to tell you this story because I think you'll remember it. Um, you remember that at the end of Vapor Trails, they went to Brazil mm-hmm. and they took that they took that giant rug that like said Vapor Trails on it, but it got so wet that like Neil talked about this in one of his books. It got so incredibly wet from the one concert that they couldn't bring it home. Uh-oh, so right. they just left it there. Right. Well, this guy, John, he, he always was famous for saying, I collect all things rush. And he was like from Jersey, like you guys. And somehow he got in touch with someone from Brazil and he got, he bought it, had them ship it to him and he had it at his house. He had it in his driveway. He unfolded it. He took a picture. He showed it to me and he went to one of the shows and he held up a sign that said vapor trails rug in my garage, (laughs) safely in my garage. (laughs) And Neil saw it. It's in one of Neil's books. I'd have to go home and look. I bookmarked it. But like it's in one of Neil's books. He talks about seeing the sign and thinking like, oh, my God, that guy went to what lengths did he go to to get that rug from Brazil? Right. But here he was. He had the rug and he showed me a photo of it. And I was just like, this is insanity. You know, like <laughs> this is craziness. But I, I thought of him when I thought when, you know, you had that guy Ray on who was the really awesome collector. Like, I don't know. I just, I just uh, wanted to tell you about that guy. Just the, the fact that he got the rug, he's the one Neil mentions. And I knew him quite well. And once he gave me a front row ticket for free and Alex tossed me a shirt that night, you know, <laughs> from the dryers. And I thought, oh, God, I got to give the shirt to John, like, because he gave me the ticket. I got to give it to him. And I got the shirt and I look over at John and he's in front row center. And I was in front row, Alex. And uh, he had one, too. So I didn't have to give it to him. <laughs> he had his own. <laughs> so I could keep it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was funny. So I just have like a lot of just amazing memories from the Rush Tour gang and all the meetups that we had. Yeah. So, so we were talking about how Neil is one with nature and I'm sure you've seen a lot of amazing things along your journey. What are your favorite places, uh, just nature wise that you've seen along the way? You mentioned Joshua tree, anything else? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, going through the desert was pretty amazing. So there's this area and again, rush references abound, but there's this area called the white sands area where, they uh, detonated the test of the atom bomb before they mm-hmm. dropped it. So it really makes you think of Manhattan project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, you know, it, you're like 30 miles from it. So it's not like I really saw it, but it, I knew it was there. And then I camped near there. And then the next day I saw these deer that were like African deer and they had like horns, but the horns that go just straight up. And I just thought, that's really odd. Like, I, I've been to Africa, and I know there's African deer. And, and sure enough, I found out that 
for some reason, New Mexico introduced them into the wildlife area, just that one area in the 70s. And they're out there now. And it was just really cool. I got to see six of them that morning grazing. So that was one thing I saw that was really cool. Um, the, there's this place called the Salt River Canyon in Arizona. Like I went through there. It was an 87-mile stretch of no food and water. And you had to climb all the way down it and then all the way back up these really windy roads. And that was pretty picturesque and amazing. Um, so th those two are probably what come to mind. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one of the reasons why you're doing this, the fundraising aspect of it. Now, you're trying to reach $100,000 in donations. Is that – right now, right now you're about twenty four, twenty five thousand raised? Yeah, we're around $25,000. Um, I – well, yeah, on the website I set the goal at 100000 because I just thought maybe a celebrity might – come through you know like, <laughs> drop you drop you 10k uh yeah something like that so i mean i didn't because i feel like with these fundraisers if you go over your goal it's harder to you got to really shoot for the moon you know so right. um so i set it at 100k wondering if maybe yeah some celebrity who has cancer or who dealt with it or something might come through but i think my i'd say my realistic goal is thirty thousand. um because to me, that's $10 a mile. And I think that just seems, you know, kind of worth it. And it just seems realistic, especially given that we're around 25000 now. Yeah. And how can people uh, donate? So it's at Jared2112. So J-A-R-A-D-2112, either for Instagram. And if you click on my bio, there's the link. Or you can just Venmo that account um if you send 21 dollars and 12 cents i will know you are a rush fan and that's appreciated and cool um one a few people have given 211 and 20 cents that's nice <laughs> and uh one person gave 2112 dollars oh wow but that was my older brother who um is not really a rush fan but i'll tell you i took him to one show it was r30 and he after the show i said what was your favorite song that they played? And he said, The Seeker. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, that's sacrilegious. You got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you going to tell me next? That you also liked Crossroads? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, the say seeker. Tom Sawyer or anything. But uh... he said, The Seeker. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> So he owed you that money, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, if every one of our listeners gives $21.12, we don't ask our listeners for money ever, but this is right. for a great cause. Yeah. And Jared's going through so much here, and, and we're so inspired <laughs> by what you're doing. I think that our listeners would be glad to give $21.12 for a great cause and to help you out. Yeah. It would be appreciated. Um, yeah, but honestly, any amount. I've had, again, I've had as much as 2112 and I've had as little as a dollar given to me, and it's all appreciated. Yeah, whatever whatever you can afford would be fantastic. And again, what is, what's the Venmo? So it's at Jared2112 and J-A-R-A-D. Also, that's the Instagram account. Yeah. So Jerry and I were talking, you, I'm sure you heard on the podcast when we read your email, I just threw out, we should drive to Virginia beach and meet Jared right. at the end. 
you've got to keep us posted on where you are. And if we can yeah. pull it off on a weekend and you happen to be close enough where we can get there, we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, it's too far out to pick a date. Um, but I'm starting to think about how I want to finish it off. I'm, I'm actually going to uh, probably abandon pushing Neil the stroller and just go backpack for like the last three weeks. Cause it, it's gotten a bit dangerous lately. And I don't really use a lot of the stuff I have on him anymore. And there's a lot more towns every, mm. you know, five, 10 miles. Um, but I'm thinking, I hesitate to throw this out there, but I'm just wondering how I could honor Neil. And I, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of on the final day doing 67 miles because he died at 67 and I don't know how else to do it. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. So, um, but certainly I will let you know. And if any rush fans live near Virginia beach and want to come, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck on the rest of your journey, Jared. Hope you stay safe and it's such an inspiration what you're doing. Thanks for doing this for cancer research. And we really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It's it's an absolute honor to be on the podcast. I'm so impressed with how it's grown. And yeah, like I said, I just every Monday, I'm just like, wow, they just keep getting these amazing guests. Really awesome. And we just got the best guest ever, you. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed the stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, we did. They were fantastic. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jared. Okay, you're welcome. So, Jared, what an inspiration Jared is, and what an amazing thing he's doing. It is an amazing thing. It's amazing, too, that he does all those other things. I know. <laughs> the running. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not crazy. I mean, it's great for him. I, I, it's crazy for me. It's cra Yeah, it's crazy to us because, you know, getting up from the couch some days is painful. I can't, couldn't imagine exercising every day like that. Yeah. For a hundred days on end. I just wish I was the type of person that could sacrifice myself like that for others. I mean, it's such a noble thing, really. It is, absolutely. It's an incredible feat and uh, just dedication. And that's what I was saying, that, you know, he's one of those guys who who took Rush's message to heart. Yeah. All of us have in some respect, but he seems to have connected on a, on a different level and he makes it part of his everyday existence. And if you're on Instagram, I really encourage you to follow Jared on Instagram. It's J-A-R-A-D-2112 on Instagram. And he posts every day about 10 pictures from his trip that day. And they're just fantastic. And, and videos. And videos. Talking about whatever's happening. And I was serious. I think if we can get most of our listeners to donate $21.12, we could raise about 10 grand for Jared. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That would be a great idea. If you can afford it, 20 bucks, you know, instead of uh, buying four coffees next week. Yeah. Donate to Jared. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I already did. And he was like, is that Steve from something for nothing? <laughs> yes, yes. He was very excited. That's cool. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are at TheRushCast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation with Jared at TheRushCast at gmail.com. Lex did the intro and outro. He's fantastic as always. And Jared, what's your quote for today? 
Well, it's it's pretty predictable, Steve. What do you think it's from? It's from Marathon. It is from Marathon. You can do a lot in a lifetime if you don't burn out too fast. You can make the most of the distance. First, you need endurance. First, you've got to last. Endurance is something I do not have, but Jared has it in spades. He does. Take it easy, Jared. All right, see you later. Thank you.